0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Balls podcast. I am your host, Jared Rebeck. In today's look back in Golden Balls history, we're going to go back to 2006 and talk about the first Golden Balls tournament. Since we clearly had no idea what the hell we were doing back then, I thought it'd be a fun time to look back and talk about the players from that tournament, an undertaking so large that this is actually going to have to be a two-part podcast, a show first. 2006 was an interesting time for the young American soccer fan. The main source of TV content was courtesy of the Fox Soccer Channel, having recently been renamed from Fox Sports World. We could watch the prim- uh, Premier League soccer in English on a regular basis, with access to some other European leagues here and there. We also had our Champions League football on ESPN and ESPN2, with the dulcet tones usually of Adrian Healy and Tommy Smith presiding over the finest in Europe bulging the old onion bag. That said, I still remember going into this first draft with only a cursory idea of what I was doing. I knew which teams I thought could do well, who the big names were, but I was pretty tactically naive about who would start for what countries and how the teams would actually play. My guess is that I was not alone in that regard. The 2006 Golden Balls featured a 10-round main draft and a two-round supplemental draft. For the purposes of this review, I'm going to focus only on the main draft and ignore those two team goalie defender spots that we had, as there's really no practical way to talk about all those players. That means I'm going to talk about eight rounds of players for the six of us that partook in the tournament. That is a group of 48 midfielders and forwards drafted from about uh, less than half of the 32 squads in the 2006 World Cup. As you listen and reflect on everything we're about to talk about, you may want to consider taking a peek at the Google sheet for the tournament that you guys all have access to, which has further statistical information and kind of has that visual cue. With that all said, let's start diving into the 2000 World Cup with the first five rounds of the fantasy draft. In the first round of the first ever draft, only one positional player was taken when Jeff took Brazil's Ronaldinho with the fifth overall pick. The Brazil number 10 was arguably at the peak of his career, having won the 2005 Ballon d'Or and was a key member of Barcelona's 2006 Champions League victory. As is often the case, Brazil was one of the big favorites to win the tournament, but the team underperformed, to put it mildly. They were eliminated in the quarterfinals and Ronaldinho only managed one assist. Some would argue he was never the same player again. It was also his last World Cup at just 26 years of age. The first pick of the second round was also a Brazilian as Kaká went off the board to Gord. The Milan player was expected, like Ronaldinho, to star for the defending champions, but scored a single goal with one assist in Brazil's five matches. Jeff doubled down on Brazil with his second pick and took forward Adriano, who was expected to be the striker complement to Ronaldo. He scored two goals, but also received heavy media criticism after Brazil's failure to reach the semifinals. It has been said that his career took a hit in 2004 when his father died, but this tournament led to a crater for him. After the 2006 World Cup, he played only 44 more league matches in Europe, scoring only nine goals. He went back to Brazil, where he had one successful season in Flamengo, among a season of substandard perf- series of substandard performances around his home country, and that was it. He was out of professional soccer by 32 years of age. The next pick was a man with a much more distinguished career, as Jordan took Ruud van Nistelrooy of the Netherlands. The striker had just finished what would turn out to be his last season at Manchester United before moving to Real Madrid. However, his club form did not carry over to an underwhelming Dutch side. Van Nistelrooy started all three group matches but only scored once, and was dropped from the starting lineup in the round of 16 against Portugal. With less than 10 minutes to go and the Dutch needing a goal up a man, Marco van Basten called on Jan Venegor of Hesselink instead of van Nistelrooy. This was the only World Cup Nestori ever played in. After a massive first season at Madrid, his career star on the downslope, and he never regained the form that saw him score over 180 total goals in five club seasons from 2001 to 2007. Forwards continued to be the order of the day, as Stro took the final member of Brazil's attacking quartet with the 10th overall pick. Ronaldo was coming off of an injury-plagued season at Real Madrid, but was still considered a crucial part of Brazil's attacking plans. It says something about his talent that despite being overweight and not at his peak, he still managed to score three times in the tournament, proving to be one of the more effective attackers from a fantasy perspective. With the first pick of the third round, Manny took the first step in what would be a torrid love hate affair with all things Spanish soccer, specifically their forwards. With his pick of Spanish attackers available in 2006, he decided to go with perhaps the least heralded of the three main ones, taking Valencia's David Villa. Villa was coming off his f- true breakout season in Spain, where he scored 28 times for Valencia in his first season for the club. But he only had eight international caps coming into this tournament. Despite the inexperience, he starred on the right wing in three of Spain's four matches and scored three goals. He was Spain's best fantasy attacker in the tournament, but it was only an appetizer for what he would do four years later in South Africa. The next pick saw the first Argentine selected, as I took midfielder Juan Roman Raquelme. The number 10 had just helped lead Villarreal to the Champions League semifinals, and he was given the keys to the Argentine attack. And all he did with that was lead the tournament with four assists, despite Argentina going out in the quarterfinals. After the tournament, he spent only a few more months in Europe before heading back to Argentina and Boca Juniors for the remainder of his career. Now, I got to be honest, this is the first player so far where my memory of the player kind of let me down a little bit. If you Google Raquel May's name today, you will see a variety of articles singing his praises, how smooth he was on the ball, his ridiculous skill level, his flair, so on and so forth. Looking back, it shocked me that he only played one season at an elite European club with Barcelona, no slight against Villarreal. And the only reason he ever went to Europe at all is because he left Argentina fearing for the safety of himself and his family after a family member was kidnapped and held hostage. He also only played 51 times for Argentina over 11 years, retiring in 2009 from the national team rather than play for Diego Maradona in the lead-up to the 2010 World Cup. Two weeks later, Jordan stayed with Argentina and took forward Ernan Crespo. At the time, Crespo was known as a talented, albeit aging, striker that had spent a lot of time flying back and forth between London and Milan, as Chelsea couldn't decide whether or not they could use him, with both Milan clubs taking him on loan several times over the years. For the national team, this was his cycle as the number nine, following the international retirement of Gabriel Batistuta. Crespo scored seven times in World Cup qualifying, followed by a three-goal, one-assist performance in Germany at the World Cup. He ended his international career with a great 35 goals in 64 matches and spent the rest of his club career after the tournament in Italy playing in Serie A. A fun fact about Crespo is that he scored on his last ever touch of the ball with Argentina in the 2007 Copa America. Next up is Germany midfielder Michael Ballack. He was the first of approximately 972,481 German players Jeff would go on to draft over the next decade and a half. The midfielder had just made a free move to Chelsea from Bayern Munich a move that inadvertently caused and indirectly caused a massive problem between the London side and William Gallus, a story which could be a podcast all on its own. In any event, the German captain came into the tournament battling an injury, which caused him to miss the first match. He did play the rest of the tournament and was named to the all-tournament team. Despite his productivity on the field, it did not translate in fantasy, as he re- recorded only one assist. As it turned out, his 2010 World Cup would be actually far more interesting, even though he missed it due to injury. He ended up in a feud with uh, Philip Lom, left South Africa before the tournament ended, and never played for the national team again. Closing out round three was Gord, intent on proving that he never met an English midfielder he didn't like. His first dance was with one Steven Gerrard. The Liverpool talisman had just come off a brace in the FA Cup final, including a famous 35-yard equalizer that sent the Millennium Stadium into pandemonium. Gerrard led England with two goals in the World Cup, but fantasy-wise did about as well as the other three Lions midfielders, and England got sent packing in the quarterfinals as Gerrard missed his penalty in the shootout. Starting out round four was Gord, intent on proving that he never met an English midfielder he didn't like. His second dance was with one Frank Lampard. The Chelsea talisman had just come off leading Chelsea to a Premier League title, sending Stamford Bridge into pandemonium. Lampard led England with 11 shots on target during the World Cup, but fantasy-wise did about as well as the other three Lions midfielders, and England got sent packing in the quarterfinals as Lampard missed his penalty in the shootout. Jeff had the next pick and decided to take a young Argentinian teenager with only seven international caps to his name. The Barcelona player was coming off a club season where he slowly became a first-team winger, but had spent the last three months of the season injured. In Argentina's five matches at the World Cup, he started only once, came off the bench twice, and didn't see the field at all twice, including in the quarterfinal against Germany. He did manage to score one and assist one in his limited action on the pitch. Back home, fans were completely understanding at manager Jose Peckerman for these decisions, seeing as the player in question had only a career 10 club and international goals coming into the tournament. wonder what happened to that player. Two picks later, Stroh went with a 22-year-old Dutch winger with half a head of hair, Arjen Robin. Robin was in the middle of a solid three-year stretch at Chelsea, but had yet to find his groove offensively as he would after moving to Bayern Munich in 2009. He scored a goal and had an assist in this tournament in his three appearances, but this was a case where Stroh was just a bit ahead of his time. I stayed Dutch with the next pick, grabbing midfielder Mark Van Bommel, who was in the process of becoming one of the hardest defensive midfielders in the game, despite having more offensive success both for club and country earlier in his career, including a 17-goal season for PSV in 2004-2005. That's all well and good, except that meant that in this tournament he did fuck and all offensively though he does hold the distinction of being the first player booked in the famous Battle of Nuremberg. He moved from Barcelona to Bayern Munich after the tournament. Despite playing 79 times for the Dutch, he scored only 10 goals, most of which coming against minnows such as Andorra, Estonia, Liechtenstein, Moldova, and England. The Dutch train rolled on to close out round four as many took Philippe Cocu, a 35-year-old midfielder who was back at PSV after a long successful stint at Barcelona. Cuckoo was great at the 1998 World Cup for the Dutch, but had to wait eight years to get back as the Dutch failed to qualify in 2002. Like Van Bommel, Cuckoo offered nothing fancy wise for the underwhelming Dutch, and he never played for the national team again. To start the fifth round, Manny went back to the Spanish striker pool and drafted Raul. If Philippe Koku was old in age, Raul was old in experience, entering the tournament with 95 caps at the age of 28. He was routinely playing 50 matches a season for Real Madrid, though his performance had been slipping the previous two seasons. Internationally, Raul had largely been replaced at this point by David Villa and Fernando Torres, and he didn't start the opening match of the tournament. He did play in every match, but only scored once as Spain were eliminated in the round of 16. By the end of 2006, his career as an international player was over, though he stayed at Madrid until 2010 before meandering his way through Schalke. Cutter and the New York Cosmos before retiring in 2015. He played over 1,000 club and national team matches in his career. The French national team had quite the century to this point. After winning the 1998 World Cup in Euro 2000, the team bombed out of the 2002 World Cup in the group stage, before being eliminated by Greece in the Euro 2004 quarterfinals. They showed up in Germany with a roster that would never be considered young, with seven players aged 32 or older. Perhaps then it isn't a surprise that it took this long for one of their field players to be drafted, as I took Thierry Henry in the fifth round. Henry at the time was still doing the damn thing in London, having scored 33 goals for Arsenal in the 2005-06 campaign. He started quietly in this tournament, but turned it on late, helping lead France to the final. He finished as the second-ranked fantasy forward with three goals and 13 shots on target in the tournament. The next pick was another forward, this time Michael Owen of England, taken by Stroh. Owen, of course, had a fascinating career, spending a good chunk of time playing for some of the Titans of Europe, Liverpool, Real Madrid, and of course, Newcastle. For the three Lions, Owen had taken the world by storm as a teenager, scoring twice in the 98 World Cup, including a great goal against Argentina. Four years later, he scored another two goals at the World Cup in South Korea and Japan. Most importantly, Stroh saw him score a majestic hat-trick live against Columbia in 2005. This performance was enough for Stroh, who took Owen despite him missing most of the second half of Newcastle's season through injury. Like the rest of his England teammates, Owen struggled during the first two group stage matches, despite England grabbing six points. However, in the third group stage game, with England already uh, solidified at qualification in the round of 16, calamity struck when Owen tore his ACL in the first minute of the match. Upon his comeback, his international career was more or less over, but he did get a couple more productive seasons at Newcastle from 2007 to 2009 before finishing up his career dropping down to the lower prestigious clubs in England and Manchester United and Stoke City. Next up, Jordan took a budding midfield star from Liverpool in Spain, Xabi Alonso. Alonso was a key player at Anfield the previous two seasons, having scored in the famous 2005 Champions League final, followed up by making 53 appearances for the club the following season. The 2006 tournament was Alonso's first real opportunity international stage, and he scored Spain's first goal of the tournament, his first international goal. He wouldn't score another competitive international goal for three years, and Spain was knocked out in the round of 16. Alonso's club career continued to blossom as he eventually moved to Real Madrid, then Bayern Munich, racking up trophies along the way. The next pick may have been the first wildcard selection of the draft, as Jeff took Italian forward Luca Toni. Toni was 29 when the tournament started, but only had 18 caps to his name. He hadn't even been capped by Italy until he was 27 years old, after a standout season helping Palermo escape Serie B and get promoted into Italy's top flight. Tony had his career year just in time as he scored 33 goals for Fiorentina in 2005-2006. He was a starter for an Italian side that would go on to win the tournament, with Tony scoring twice in the quarterfinals. He was named to the all-tournament team. His international career ended in 2009 after the Confederations Cup, but he lasted on the club level until 2016. Closing out round five was Gord, intent on proving that he never met an English midfielder he didn't like. His third dance was with one David Beckham. The Real Madrid Galactico had just come off a disappointing season where Madrid had finished 12 points behind their rivals, a fact that sent the Camp new into pandemonium. Beckham led England with two assists in the World Cup, but fantasy-wise did about as well as the other three Lions midfielders, and England got sent packing in the quarterfinals, as Beckham left injured and missed the chance to miss his penalty in the shootout. And with that, we've examined the first five rounds of the Golden Balls 2006 World Cup draft. Even though these rounds were filled with a veritable who's who of stars for sure, the rest of the draft will see some guys that you might have just forgotten about, a few more stars ahead of their time, and some guys from countries that are a little bit less heralded than what we've seen so far. So with that in mind, make sure you join us next time on the Golden Balls podcast.